Teach Clay, a podcast for ceramic teachers looking to share ideas and to connect. My name is Julie Newman, and I am your host. Welcome back. Well, first of all, I have to say a big congratulations. Some of you are finished with this school year, and I am so excited for you. For the rest of us who have one or two or even three more weeks, well, we are digging in. We're grinding, we're rallying, and just pushing so hard to the end. I am still in the thick of it. I want to send you all the best so that you can finish and shift into a moment of summer to relax, recharge, and refocus into hopefully a new direction. I saw a picture on social media the other day that I thought was funny. It was a photo of a teacher facing what looked like a 20-foot tsunami wave. The caption on the wave said, The late work submitted during distance learning. I don't know about you, but there is so much late work right now. I am one of those who accepts work till the bitter end. I find that my students often do my work either first or last, which means I have a ton of late grading. I want these students to be successful, so here I go, grading to the bitter end. If this is you too, hang in there. My next guest is a ceramics teacher in Southern California. In this episode, we talk about everything and one thing at the same time. We discuss changes he's made to his grading, and he tells us how he grades using a rubric with a one to four scale. He says, the joy of art class is not being in front of the computer. He calls himself a little crazy when he discusses being so busy with his own kids, and I think some of us can sympathize with that. We discuss how to manage all of the partially formed greenware and fired bisqueware projects that are sitting in your classroom right now. We talk about, air quotes, our kids. You know, the ones who come to school just for ceramics. We sympathize about the fact that our students need our class to fill that primal desire to create. We wrap up with work-life balance for the teacher and artist. He says the only disciplined thing in his life is making. So let's jump into this interview with Ryan Reich. All right, so here I am today with Ryan Reich. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you doing? So good. Um, Thanks for joining us today. Uh, You know, we're in this new normal here. I I hate to call it normal because it's not normal at all, but this new reality of online instruction. And so I want to establish uh, your background, where you teach, what classes you teach, how many students you have. If you could just give us a little bit of background on that. Sure. So I teach at Valencia High School in Placentia, California. Uh, We often get confused with the Valencia in... uh, Santa Clarita. Uh, Santa Clarita. That's that's actually where I live. <laughs> yeah. So we're <laughs> Valencia in Placentia, which is uh, it's old school. It's been there since 1933. Um, we have about 2,800 students. I have I teach five periods. I do three periods of ceramics, beginning ceramics, and I do mm-hmm. two periods of advanced ceramics. My beginning classes have about 33. That's like my max is 33. Sometimes I go over. I'll have like 34. Or 35 but 
usually about 33 or so. And then my advanced classes have about like 20 to 25. Okay. And my schools, uh, I'm very lucky. We have a pretty big ceramics department. There's another full-time ceramics teacher that's there. She does five periods of beginning ceramics. Oh, wow. Um, her name's Lauren Schultz. And yeah, so we have, uh, all together, we have probably over, th- over 300 students out of the 2,800 are in ceramics. Not all of them are there because they're such passionate ceramic artists, but you know, we're happy to have them. We have mostly seniors and juniors. So we occasionally will get a sophomore. We'll sneak in. Um, it's my, let's see, this was my 17th year in the classroom as a teacher. That's including student teaching. Um, and I taught this is my 15th year at Valencia as a paid teacher. I taught one year in Banning out near Palm Springs. And bef- the year before that, when I student taught, I student taught at Valencia where I, I teach now. Oh, wow. And I've been doing ceramics since I was a freshman in high school. So 19, I'm 42. So that was 1992 is when I started doing ceramics. So 27 years for most every year I've had my hands in clay. I think there was one year where I didn't do clay, but I've been doing ceramics for a long time. Um, That's your thing. <laughs> my thing. Yeah. I, and I, uh, in addition to being a, a teacher, when my kids go to bed uh, every night, nine, 8.30 to 9 till, you know, nowadays, 1 or two, one o'clock usually, right. uh, I'm in my garage making stuff and trying to do the ceramic artist thing. And that's been actually going really well for me Good. over the last uh, year or so. So Awesome. Now, is that seven days a week you do that, or do you give yourself a little time? I that's the only disciplined thing I have in my life. Is that making? <laughs> is making like I'm kind. Of, I wish I could like do other things as disciplined as I am about making, but uh-huh. I'm like, it's like my I'm with my kids a lot, and nowadays with uh, this new situation, I'm, my wife works full time. She's a paralegal. She works from home, so I'm with the kids. Uh, two and a half, almost three in July, and then a five-year-old who just turned five. So I have two younger kids. They're like preschool age, and they're two little boys, and they're crazy, and I'm a little crazy, so <laughs> get into kind of mischief. And I can imagine what your house is like from seven to whenever your wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then, um, so yeah. Um, but yeah, you have your time, kids working in clay? Yeah, they'll, they'll come out to the garage, and they'll kind of do stuff. And my older one, he's pretty patient. And he's kind of like, uh, he's really into stamping. I got all my, I, I like texture. I'm really into stamp. So I have my, my box of just like junk. It looks like junk, but to me it's like tools, but it's like, you know, pieces of box of wood and stuff. So I'll roll out, a, I'll roll out a slab and cut us and he'll like stamp it up. We'll make it into a plate. Actually, he made a set of plates that we're going to start eating off of soon. So. Oh, that's so great. We collabed on it. Oh, nice. A collab. My kids are, I also have boys. I have a five, seven and 12 and we're also doing the homeschool thing, right? Trying to get everybody through their curriculum, but my kids love the wheel and they just make these like mounds and these like cylinders that are all organic (laughs) and folding, but gosh, darn it. Like that, if you say, what do you want to do today? What's the one thing you want to do today? They want to work in clay. I love it. So yeah, my younger one's too crazy though. He's like, (laughs) He'll get there. Yeah, he's he'll get there. He's just two and a half. They're still shoving it in their mouth. (laughs) Yeah, he's like he's almost three, so he's not shoving his mouth. He's just he grabs everything and he goes right for the knives and the dangerous things. And he's like super curious. My older one's pretty like 
he's good you know he's chill but my younger one's like crazy i love like it. my younger one's like nuts like he's like he's a good boy but oh and here's a fun little thing my older one his middle name is clay i love it clay, and my youngest one his middle name is ash oh fun so i was able to sneak in those three sneak those in because it's my life you know yeah, I always thought if I had a girl, I think Kaolin would be a nice name. Oh, Kaolin. Kaolin. <laughs> EPK, get your ass from here. <laughs> Love it. So um, now that we're doing this online instruction, do your students have access to computers? Are you on to one or do the students not have? Yeah, students were all given, any student that didn't have technology at home, the district made Chromebooks available to them. Nice. So they had, uh, they had a few days First few days were at the school, and then later on, they made it at, like, some district, other, they, they narrowed it down to, like, you know, five or six sites in the district that students could go to, and they they set up uh, Wi-Fi, like, hotspots, right. parts of the district. My uh, my district's very diverse. Um, I'm in Placentia, which is, if you don't know, Southern California, it's next to, like, Anaheim, Fullerton, Brea. Is it Orange County? or Orange County. Orange Northern, County. Okay. Northern, Northern Orange County, the no see as I like to call it. Uh, we have a very diverse population of students. My school has, we're Title I, but we also have an IB program. So we get students from affluent parts of Yorba Linda, and even we get a lot of inter-district or out-of-district transfers for our IB, IB program, which is International Baccalaureate, which is some fancy yeah. academic thing, which is important to some people. And some people, yep. it's like, what does that even mean? Right. Um, but we have that program, so we get it, we get it, um all kinds of students we get very affluent going to harvard and yale and berkeley and we have students on the opposite end of the spectrum and my classrooms also got has a lot of uh i have a lot of special ed in my class too so it's it's so interesting to hear you speak about your class literally like almost everything that you've said about your school is the same for my school as well and i'm you know yeah. two hours away driving from you in northern san fernando valley yeah you know, but it's think, it's interesting i think this is a great kind of a school for students because it shows them the diversity and the like i mean one of the great things i love about my school is the fact that everybody tends to get along pretty well Right. And of course there's clicks. There's always going to be clicks. There's but at the same time, like overall, like I mean I've been there for this is my 15th year, 16th year at that school, and it's changed over the years. But for the last like I mean my I've, I remember when I student taught my first couple years there, there was a little more urban-y kind of a sketchier vibe at times, you know, mm -hmm. but a lot of those same kids are still there, but it seems to be like an overall attitude change of just like, you know, we're stuck here at school. Let's try to make the most of it. And the school's done a good job of creating a culture of inclusiveness and like, like I like the school I teach at. Like I like the school. Like I'm going to be happy to send my kids to that school. That's great. That's great. And I do think that those, uh, you know, like the culture of the school ebbs and flows through the years. And sometimes it'll be a little bit more um, rocky and sometimes it'll be right on. And that depends on like admin, depends on teacher, if teachers are checked in. And then also oh, yeah. the kids, you know, a lot of yeah. times it has to do with what's happening in our world and that's affecting their abilities to get along. Yeah, there's so many variables each year. It's like the same, it's the same every year, but it's different every year. It's like that. I love that line from like days, if you've ever seen the movie Days and Confused. So long ago. Where the guy's like, 
I mean, it's it's totally out of context, but it's like I get older, they stay the same age. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. So it's like I'm getting older, I'm getting wiser, I'm getting more experienced. I'm always dealing with the same kids, the same aged kids. I'm always yeah. dealing like for me, it's usually like 16, 17, 18 year olds. That's I yep. probably get a 15 year old here and there, and I probably get a 19 year old here and there. But generally it's in that, you know, 15 to 18, uh, or 16 to 18 range and it's yeah admin changes like my department has changed there's been some you know personnel changes in my department for the best I've had, re- <laughs> oh god i don't want to get into it but we had a i think we we always are kind of like have a growth mindset to a certain degree one of the things that my department kind of took on I kind of took on and my department in turn took it on is there was this conversation at school about this um, zero through four grading. Oh yeah. 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 So that's been kind of a, that was a, the admin kind of brought that up a couple years ago, I guess not, not last year, but the year before, I guess the eight, the 18 school, 17, 18 school year at the end. And they kind of talked about it. And I was like, that's kind of how we grade in the art department already. We're already rubrics based for the most part my rubrics out of a hundred i could probably make my rubric out of four and figure it out and we had to like adapt it so and then i talked to my department and they're like yeah we kind of all have similar like we use rubrics and we use a scale that's a hundred i'm like well this is kind of a thing and you know my my take was is like if you're an older teacher you could probably resist this as long as possible for the next five years and not do it but if you're going to be teaching for the next five to 10 to 20 years seems like this one through four thing is kind of becoming more of a or zero through four is that like standards-based grading too is it like it's it's very standard it it aligns with standards-based grading yeah there's different models for it but it's you know it's like giving the students more you know the, the the argument was like if you're doing like a zero through 100 grade scale and you know, anything below a 50, a 60 or a 59 is an F. Right. It's That's a big six job. degrees of failure and four degrees of success. Yep. And it's kind of like, what do you want your kids to get out of like this thing? Like, what do you want them to get out of it? And I don't know. It just seemed like it was easy for us as an art department to take it on. So. So is that where you are? You took on the zero through four? Yeah. Training? So my department was the only department in the school that we were like, all right, we we'll this. do it. We'll do it. We were a small department. There was five of us. So we did it last year and we've continued to doing this year. And then this year I got sucked into being like uh, one of the committee committee leaders. So I had to like on Mondays we have like, we have PLCs, professional learning communities on Mondays, Monday mornings from like seven thirty to eight thirty, And then Mondays students had a late start day. So a couple Mondays I had to like be in front of all my peers and like telling them like I'm such an expert on grading. Right. I'm like, I'm the dumb stranding. Not oh, dumb. Stop it. No, I always tell people I'm the smartest guy that's on the campus because y'all are You're teaching deep. y'all are teaching math and science and right? whatever. Like I'm doing clay. Like We're I'm teaching about, like oh, I can't fit this piece into the kiln. Oh, like I ran out of I had a cobalt. Oh no, I don't have enough to make the blue glaze. The kids are gonna have to wait a week. I'm gonna have to go this weekend to Aardvark and get stuff. Yep. The the struggle is real for us. Yeah. Yeah, but then 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 I would hate it when some teachers would be like, You get paid the same as other art teachers? Oh, that drives me crazy. Other teachers on campus. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're like, oh. 
well, we have to take home, we have to take home a bunch of papers. I'm like, you should get mad at 22 year old you. Cause 22 year old you was like, I'm going to teach math. Right. Right. 22 year old me was like, I'm going to teach clay. Right. Well, and the crazy part about it, like the the peripheral things about teaching ceramics are like recycling clay and managing our stock and like all of that stuff is so much loading and unloading kilns twice. But I love doing that stuff. And that's the difference. Like I would not love grading a stack of papers. (laughs) That's why I'm struggling. I'm honestly struggling with this new model because I'm not a computer person. I'm computer enough. I'm computer literate. I can... I can do stuff. I'm, I can do Illustrator and Photoshop and yeah. I did a podcast and I edited. I can do computer stuff, but I don't really want to spend my work day on a computer reading written responses to right. prompts. And Well, that's a great segue. What are your biggest struggles? Like what have you found in this uh, new situation of online learning? What has been the most difficult part? I think I think part of it was just the uncertainty has been hard because it was kind of like, okay, first we're going for like three weeks or two weeks. Right. Like March 13th. March 13th, it's like, okay, we're going to go for two weeks and then maybe we'll come back for a week and then we were going to go to spring break. And then it was like, no, we're going to go through spring break. And it was kind of like, so are we like, are we done or are we, I think the uncertainty and then like all getting thrown into this situation, none of us were prepared. Well, certainly some teachers were more prepared in other subjects. Like you, like if you already had a, a hybrid learning model right. where you were doing some kind of online learning or, you know, like if, if you're really, if your class was really ingrained in the Google classroom already. Right. And you're already like, then you're good. I'm on Google Classroom. It's just like, now I'm going to Zoom my lectures or I'm going to record myself on my Google Slides presentations and just send it to you guys. And I mean, sure, if that's that was your situation, then it was easy. But I think for art teachers, ceramics teachers, we're like, no, everything has to be in class, hands on. I need to be with the kids, I need to be helping them and giving them you know, guidance and, you know, like, just be there. I mean, that's the whole joy of the art class was to not be in front of a computer and a bunch of paper and then be using, like, super low-tech technology, like, still technology, that needle tool's technology, like, rolling pin's technology. It's just a different kind of technology. And to see those kids, like, who hated school and went to school every day because they loved art, and to know those kids are like not getting that that nugget every day because that was me to be honest like that was me like I wasn't wasn't a bad student but I was in no way a good student I was like a you know I think my all the art classes I took in high school jacked up my GPA right <laughs> higher than it probably should have been but you know I don't I wasn't a kid that was failing a lot of classes but I wasn't like you know acing them but I liked art and right. I was easy it was easy for me to like. I went to Claremont High School. Claremont's a pretty progressive kind of town. And it was easy to like walk off campus. And there was a park right next to the school. And you'd go to the park and like do stuff you're not supposed to do and go right back to school. And it was <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, it was like normal teenage stuff. It would be, it would have been really easy to like goof off and not go to school. But I was like, oh, like I have to go to, cl- I got to go to Clay. I got to go to Clay, yeah. dude. 
So what about those kids now? Because we we everybody that teaches clay has those kids. They're the ones that those say, are my favorite you know, kids. I my favorite. yeah, those totally, mine too. Kids. Not gonna lie. Yeah, and they say, oh, I, I only came to school today for this class, for ceramics. Um, oh, I forgot to wrap my project yesterday and I couldn't skip because it would be dry the next day. Like, I love hearing that because I'm like, oh my gosh, you learn, you know, you well, have understood care. this. They just and care. They care. They care and they're into it and they're excited and there's something in their life that's exciting. I mean, there's a lot of like, I always tell my students, like, there's a lot of primal, we're still animals. Like we're, we're animals, like we're primal beings, you know, and one of our primal needs is to create and is to create yeah. out of nothing. And I think for a lot of people like cooking can fulfill that need. I have this, uh, these materials, this food, there's me and these tools and a process. And at the end, I'm going to have this awesome product. And I feel like a lot of people, they get that thing. Like my wife isn't artistic, but she loves to bake and mm -hmm. she gets the same primal need to create out of baking and I get it out of making stuff and I see my students getting that needing and getting that same primal fulfillment out of taking my class every day because they're on their phones and they're engaged into not I mean a lot of them are can be really creative and they are really creative in their social media because they're creating even though it's silly like they're creating their TikToks and they're creating their Instagram things and they're setting up photo shoots and they're becoming great photographers. So that's kind of creative in one way, but I think having the tangible object in front of them, right. like, no, like I made this, like right. this is the thing I made. And, and I can use it. That's can, really fun. Use it. Or even for some of them, like a lot of my wheel throwers, I did, I tried to get my wheel throwers into the habit of not keeping everything. Yeah. So sometimes I have one student who's, I mean, I have, probably you know go back into what's, what's been the hardest part of this i this year i probably had my best student i don't want to say he's my best student ever but he's probably one of my best students ever wow and the fact that i don't get to work with him for the rest of the year mm -hmm. sort of because over like in november or december he bought a wheel okay oh, he has a wheel at his house that's great i have a kiln at my house I have clay at my house. Yeah. So I've been kind of doing some, like, uh, I've been kind of doing some, uh, uh, curbside delivery. Like I'll leave a, I'll leave some clay out and you come by and drop off your greenware and it'll get fired. And that's so awesome. I have been kind of helping him, um, things. So I think that's probably the hardest part in some ways is not being around those kids that really were be were doing amazing work that were super into it. That was exciting for me. It's it's really a bummer that I don't get to see him. Yeah. What are you gonna do? What 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 is your plan for all the work that's been left behind? The bisqueware, the greenware, the partially formed projects in their cubbies. So I transitioned my whole thing to Google Classroom, and Google Classroom I sent out a Google form where I basically was like, "Do you have anything in the cabinet?" So we have like um, each period has like a big cabinet. Mm -hmm. And then we have greenware shelves where stuff was, you know, or greenware or stuff in the kiln. And then there was uh, like the bisqueware shelves and then there was a shelf for the high fire. So I basically made a Google form and was like, was there anything in the greenware, in the greenware cabinet that was close enough to be finished that you want me to fire? So they fill that out. Not all yeah. of them done it. And I'm pretty close to cutting them off and being like, this is it. <laughs> this is it. 
I'll probably give them at the end of this week. Um, but I'll, uh, I did that. So they've been kind of telling me like, oh, I have this in the cabinet or I have this on the greenware shelf. I want to get fired. The awesome thing was because my routine to um, fire was I would normally load during the week. And then on Friday, I have two gas kilns. So on Fridays, I would usually turn the bisque on and I would let it candle all weekend. Oh, and wow. I would, and I would fire on Monday. Okay. So I would just let stuff go all weekend. And then if, not always, but that's that's a routine that I would, you know, we would often do. We could load stuff that was a little wetter. And, you know, I would, sometimes I'd put, turn the kiln on and leave the door open. And I'd come back on like Saturday or Sunday because I'm only about 10 minutes from my house. So I'd close the door a little more on Sunday and fire it. So I had a, I have a kiln fully loaded, loaded at <laughs> school of greenware. Yeah. That's completely like, that's one of those where you loaded it. You're like, good job. Like you, yeah. you pack that, you pack it good. Sometimes I'm lazy. I'm like, ah, it's, I don't have as much. I'll load it loose. This one got loaded really tight. This one was uh, Tetris. Yeah. Did you, are you going to fire that or are you going to rethink? No, and... well, I, I told the kids, tell me what's in there that you want. So yeah. I'm going to unload it. And then, Oh my gosh. Cause one of the, one of the issues, probably the biggest issues I have is like clay. Right. Like my students don't all pay for clay. We have a clay recycler, uh, pug mill. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of my students would be like just using the free clay and they don't fire. Like we got to the point where it's like, you're not going to fire it unless it's like good. Right. Cause like, I'm not going to fire crap. I'm not going to fire it to throw it in the dumpster. I'd rather recycle it. So do you grade so it? I, and so then I like need the clay. <laughs> like I need right. the clay in the cabinet, in the kiln. If they're yeah. not do you, uh, under those circumstances, do you like grade their project and then they, then you recycle it? Yeah, I would just grade it as greenware. Okay. So let's kind of get back to a little bit of like what you're teaching now. Um, so obviously we're not, neither of us have clay. Our students don't have clay in their hands, except for your, your um, secret <laughs> underground exchange. Um, what are you teaching your kids right now? Um, I'm kind of backtracking a little to some stuff that we did earlier in the year and we're just, I mean, well, really all we're doing right now is really going over elements and principles, yep. really ceramic centric and giving them some like writing prompts and looking at ceramics and kind of talking about it a little, uh, my district kind of changed to like, uh, the third quarter grade was their floor. So first they're like, okay, we're going to like credit or incomplete and then and as long as you have like a d or better you get credit so basically like once you have a d you're basically you're fine yeah. you're done you'll pass <laughs> and then they changed it to students can have an option to take the letter grade or take the um credit some students who were like seniors going to college were concerned that the credit would affect their gpa yeah to get into certain schools so i, I totally get it um, I just wish that it would have been more, well, anyways, so because of that, then, and there, we've been kind of told, like, we can't really do, we can't really like drop off materials and tools to right. students, even though I wanted to, and I was ready to, I had a whole plan on how I was going to do it. And I was going to make it an option. Right. They didn't have to do it, but if they wanted to, um, I was going to let them, I was going to be supportive of that. But since I kind of got shut down on that, me and my colleague, who also teaches with me, we just kind of decided let's just kind of like not kill ourselves. And we, we've also, we're also going to do like a little artist researchy thing where they can choose an artist and do a little Google slides presentation on that to kind of 
Well, I think what you said, like for you guys, you're like, let's not kill ourselves. But like on the reverse end of that are the students, you know, and so like the students are receiving these assignments, not just you, but the five other classes, and then they have to manage all of that time. So I have the I have two different kinds of students. I have the ones that are like, I do my ceramic work first because I love it. And then I have another group of students that say I do it last because I love it. And so yeah. it's like they either start with it or finish with it, but they they all kind of do it because they it's that outlet. It still is, even though it's elements of art, yeah. it's reflection and writing, but they're still yeah. finding that joy in our assignments. Yeah, it's it's hard because I want to give students like I have had them do some like drawing stuff. Yeah. But I would love to have them do more. So we basically, we've gotten through all the elements. Now we're going to do principles. So with the principles, we're going to make it a little more like in their house, like scavengery hunt things. Yeah. And like activities like they can do in. in like found uh, object sculptures. Like found object sculptures yeah. that they can do, like something that they find they can have like a lot of, like you have to have a hundred of something. I don't know what it is. Even if it's like a hundred grains of rice or a hundred beans right. or a hundred what paper clips and then have them do kind of things like that so that's kind of what we're going to do for the, the the next few weeks is kind of do more like not to say photography but stuff kind of like that but then also going back to ceramics a little and maybe having them do some kind of uh looking at the ceramics that they have in their house mm -hmm. even if it's like commercial stuff even if it's the toilet <laughs> yeah even if it's like the toilet like have them do a little bit of like stuff like that That'd be a little more researchy, right. but even just like drawing, like find a find some ceramic stuff to like draw. Right. Draw your toilet. Draw your, or draw your little sister's like uh, frozen teapot. Right. <laughs> Whatever you know, like kind of doing kind of stuff like that. Trying to keep them as engaged as we can. I wish I could have be like, here's an Amazon list. Order these objects. <laughs> order these tools, and we can do some like because I taught 3D art. For my first like seven eight years, I at at the school I'm at, I taught 3D art, and and also ceramics. But I did 3D art and design, so you know, found object sculpture is like totally up my alley, and yeah, you know. Do you find that your advanced students, because you teach those two sections of advanced, are you kind of revisiting the same concepts with them as well? So everybody's kind yeah, of I doing the same, the same stuff. I just did the same thing. Yeah, me, me as my well. District, my admin told us they're like. They were like, don't make it hard. Don't make it hard on the students and don't make it hard on you. Make it meaningful and make it engaging. Exactly. And even if it's kind of reteaching older concepts, they were they were okay with it. And to be honest, like my admin, as long as I've been there, has been very like supportive of the arts and the art department, but in a lot of ways, not really up in our business about our curriculum. That's great. They're not like, oh, you're not teaching standard. This te <laughs> they're not teaching this visual art standard in your curriculum, Mr. Reich. Like, where is this like thing? They're like, we go into your classroom and your students are engaged yep. and working and they're having fun. And that kid who I see in every other class I walk into is asleep, is like awake. Or in, in the dean's office. <laughs> and doing something. Yeah. So that's been the attitude of my admin as long as I've been teaching there is like, meaningful stuff like participate in all the like art shows and you know i have a i have a couple ap kids which is a whole nother like headache this year because it's so 
I don't really know what the AP is this year. They changed it for visual yeah. for 3D. So uh, that's kind of a headache I'm avoiding, but. I hear you. But, you know, overall, like, my admin has been really supportive. So they're pretty much, like, make it meaningful instruction and teach to the standards, but they're not checking it. And they see that my students are into it, and we're doing the standard ceramics projects that everyone else is doing. And Well, and I think, too, once once your district shifted to that, like, pass credit, no credit, or once schools shifted their grading model, the instruction has to shift as well. Right. You know, so I think that that all is aligning in an appropriate fashion for the situation that we're in. Um, let's talk just quickly because I know that you are a maker and I think for so many teachers uh, out there, we all love to make, but it's hard to find the time. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, because we were talking pre-talking about this, um, how do you find the time to make as much as you are? Um, so like I said, I have two young kids and I'm pretty engaged and involved with them. So my making time is usually after they're in, uh, in bed. I can do a little bit during the, like now I'm home with my kids all day while my wife's working. So sometimes I can do a little bit like I'll take my stuff out to the patio table and I'll like yeah. paint a paint a cup or something. But I would say probably during the day I get less than an hour's worth of work in, but then usually every night, nine, between eight 30 and nine 30, somewhere in there, I'll be out in the garage and every night I'm out there till nowadays it's usually told about 1230 or one most mm -hmm. nights. And now I noticed a, a shift I, because I've, I've seen your work for a while and you had um, been working like in that chroma series where it was mm -hmm. all of the, the colorful mugs and mm -hmm. pieces and you've shifted now into the sneaker series. When mm -hmm. did that happen and how? Well, so I teach at a semi urban kind of, urban suburban kind of hybrid -y thing a lot of my students have been into like the street art and graffiti kind of thing for a long a while so i've been not a participant into it but i've been an admirer of that kind of art yeah um so that's kind of part of the background um i've i've shown that banksy exit through the gift shop yeah like not every year but just about every year most every one of my students over the last 10 years has probably seen that movie in my class even though it has nothing to do with ceramics, I like to talk about things besides ceramics, like the art world and just absolutely. Like, like it's I, I teach ceramics, but I try to sometimes be a little more broad in my like approach to it as like an art teacher or like a culture teacher as it relates to art in some ways. So I kind of had that background. So I've been kind of like doing that. Um, I had started doing the um, the the line linear series that transitioned into the what I call the chroma series. I was kind of basically stealing a color scheme off of a graffiti artist by the name of Felipe Pantone. That was that kind of rainbow without the green. Right. I was mm -hmm. kind of like, I like this, the way those colors kind of blended together. Has that, had that kind of retro -y vibe. And I kind of see that retro vibe thing. And then I discovered recently this thing called vaporwave or retro wave aesthetic, which is kind of similar kind of a thing. Um, kind of that 80s, 80s ish thing. So anyways, that's, that's kind of, something that was in my mind, I was kind of paying more attention to like street art and urban street, streetwear cultures. And I, and I was uh, born and bred in California, but my dad's from Chicago. So I've been a Chicago Bears and Bulls fan my whole life. So growing up in the 80s and 90s, I was a big Bulls fan. So the, the Air Jordan shoes were something that I was kind of familiar with. 
So anyways, back to like my, my students, um, I was making this chroma series and one of my students was like, um, Hey, where can I put my shoes? I'm going to throw. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, <laughs> I got a, I got this brand new pair of Jordans. They're like $200. I don't want to get them full clay. Yeah. I'm like, oh, like just, I don't care. Throw in your socks. It's an electric wheel. Like yeah. take your, put them on my desk or put them on whatever. And I was like, damn, these kids love their shoes. And then I was thinking like, wow, like people really love their ceramics too. Like there's this like drop culture in sneakers where it's like, oh, I'm the Nike's releasing this limited edition pair of sneakers. It's releasing at 9 a.m. on Saturday. There's 10,000 units. Go. People, yep. this is a huge industry. I see this. I saw the same thing happening with pottery. People were having their up their shop Etsy shop updates or their shop updates. Right. This day, this time, boom. So that was kind of happening in the background. I was like, oh, sneakers are really popular. People like sneakers. People really like mugs. Um, all these things were kind of happening. And I was doing my chroma series and I was like, I should come up with some different colors. Like I've been doing this color scheme for a while. Like, ooh, you know who had awesome color schemes? The Air Jordans. The Jordan ones had the coolest color schemes. Like, they were so classic and, like, you know, just, like, iconic colors. Iconic is exactly you know? And it. even if you weren't into sneakers, you could be like, oh, that's, like, the Air Jordan. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll try doing some of my sneaker mugs. Or not my sneaker mugs. The lin the lines, the stuff that I was doing. The line. Linear right. stuff. Try doing that with different, like, the, the sneaker colors and I was like I'm gonna try to make one of these into actually like a sneaker like that'd be kind of cool a friend of mine my friend Brian Johnson who also teaches at Valencia his he had a he had a pair of Jordans Jordan ones so he brought a pair of his Jordan oh, ones in. Cool. then I was able to take a make a mold of the sole wow and then I had the mold of the sole and then that then that then it really kind of got going and then I was like oh this is really kind of an interesting fun idea of like taking this like sneaker culture and this pottery culture and just kind of like mashing them together and making it its own thing. And, you know, I made it, the first ones I made were more of like a little more abstract interpretations. They weren't as literal. And then I was like, it needs to have the swoosh. Like it needs to have the Nike swoosh. So then I put the swoosh on and I was like, Oh, this is cool. And then since then I get all these, like people always asking you, like, are you, are you worried about copyright infringement? are you worried about getting sued by nike i've gotten that question so many times and so many messages and you better watch out dude and from what i understand um i had some work in a show last year and then i found out that it got it got sold through the show and then i found out that the people that the person that bought the, the nike air jordan sneaker mug wasn't somebody was an executive from nike Really? So Nike knows about me enough that an executive has it, and I haven't gotten a cease and desist yet, and I'm pretty sure I won't. Right. Because I'm a dude making pottery in my garage. <laughs> and right. there are people... You're not mass-producing them in a warehouse no. and selling them... Yeah, exactly. Place. It's like they're one-off handmade goods. Yeah, and it's not, a, and it's not apparel. Right. And, like, let's... Like, if we really want to run down this rabbit hole, well, let's talk about Andy Warhol. Let's talk about all these other artists that appropriate images. What a cool lesson for, for you to talk about with your students too. Cause that's this, my students bring that up all the time. 
Yeah. And it's like, well, you have to change it. You can't, I mean, there, but then there is this whole like Trump Loy art. There is like, a, I mean, and I, and I know right. of a, and I know of a ceramic artist who basically replicates the, the Jordan shoes like by mold making. Wow. And he's like, doing he's, still making. he's like, I, I see his thing and he has like NBA players liking his stuff and commenting. Like he's wow. a big deal. Like he's a big deal in the art world. Mm-hmm. and he's making like he's got way more exposure than i have and he's literally like replicating the shoe out of porcelain yeah and he's huh. and he's been doing it for a while longer than i've been doing mine and so it I looks like that's it. a safe niche <laughs> i mean it's a niche and it's yeah. it's a thing and i mean i'm not i like the fact that it's kind of like ooh, you're gonna get sued i'm like okay well it's a little Banksy of you, a little risky. Like there's a little defiance in me. There's a little punk rock. There's a little. Yeah. There's a little anti-establishment in me. I'm not gonna lie, but I love it. Well, that's hey, that's I'm a perfect segue into my last thing. Um, on your website, under your about um, page, uh, you you kind of write about yourself, and at the very end, it says you're living the dream. Yeah. Are you living the dream? Yeah, I mean, I got two cool kids and I got a cool wife and I got a cool job and I got two dogs and I mean it's I think we always could think there's always this like what if there's always I can always look back at decisions I made even like where I went to college like I went to Cal State Fullerton and part of me was like that was kind of the safe easy local school to go to for for like a fine arts degree and there's a part of me all the time that's like what if I like went to Long Beach, which isn't that much further and has right. a way different kind of a program as far as the undergrad. What direction would my life have gone? What if I went out of state? You know, like there's all these like what ifs, but then I look back, I'm like, well, I'm happy that I ended up where I am because, you know, like it's just cool. Like I get to do ceramics all day. Like I get to do like during the normal school day, I do ceramics all day. Well, I don't do ceramics all day. I teach ceramics all day. I'm around clay and kilns and wheels and tools and students and advocating for art. Right. And then I come home and I hang out with my wife and kids and at night I get to go do more ceramics. So, I mean, that's pretty much like, that's pretty awesome. I get that feeling from you. I really get it. Like from our whole conversation, I feel like you, you live what you breathe. Like it's like you are in it to win it. And I, I love that about you. So it's been awesome. I don't know any better at this point. <laughs> I've been well, doing this long enough that I'm like, I don't care. I'll just do me. And... Well, doing you is perfect. So <laughs> yeah, uh, Ryan, this was awesome. It was so thank great you. to get all of that information from you. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. That interview with Ryan was so much fun. He reminds us that advocating for art, being around art all day, guiding students through their projects, all of these things are awesome. Think about it. This is our career. This is what we chose to do for a living, and it is so good. He suggests that we should relish and really celebrate this. You have the secret for a long and fulfilled life. Thank you, Ryan, for reminding me that all this COVID-19 stuff is just a moment, and we'll get back to our normal soon. You should really go check out Ryan's work. You can find him online at ryanreichceramics.com or on Instagram at ryanreichceramics. Ryan's sneaker mug series is amazing. 
my husband just finished the Last Dance series about Michael Jordan, and it hit me last night that Ryan's sneaker mug would be the best Father's Day gift. So I snagged one of those beauties, and it should be arriving just in time. You can find those at sneakermugs.com. And with that, I bid you farewell. Stay healthy, friends, and keep connecting. Thank you.